Welcome to the Basana Health and Wellness Podcast. At Basana Health, we focus on whole body wellness, connecting physical, spiritual, and mental well-being. We are wellness collaborators with our members, and we embrace our community partnerships. Basana Health promotes holistic and functional care while focusing on transformative lifestyle changes. Welcome to our podcast, where you can take a virtual step towards optimizing your own health and wellness. Hi, everyone. I'm Becky. I'm one of the nurse practitioners here at Basana Health and Wellness. And this webinar is about stress and the impacts of stress on health and wellness. And the title of the webinar is Your Body is Keeping the Score. So most people have some type of stress in their lives, and many of us have different tools we use to manage stress. I know for myself, sometimes I do a decent job with managing stress, and oftentimes I don't. I truly believe that managing stress in a healthy way is a truly lifelong pursuit. And I have to tell you that I'm still working on it myself. I mean, I know a fair amount about how stress affects the body physically, and yet I still struggle. I don't have all the answers. But I do know there is a benefit to improving self-awareness of stress and working on stress management, even a little bit, because my body is keeping score. A personal story, I saw a functional medicine provider a few years ago, and he reviewed some labs with me. I had some markers of stress and particularly my liver was really affected. My liver enzymes were elevated. In fact, they were about double normal. Didn't really make sense to me because I don't really drink alcohol. I don't have hepatitis. I couldn't explain it. And the the doc said to me, well, Becky, you're, you're really stressed. And I thought, well, gosh, I don't know that I feel that stressed. And he said, well, you might not feel it, but your liver does. So basically, the score was Becky's stress, one, Becky's liver, zero. (laughs) So I did do some things to manage this, and it involved making some changes to my work schedule to reduce stress. And it took about six months, but my liver enzymes finally did return to normal. I was showing love to my liver and it really did respond well. The word stress is used uh, in physics to refer to the interaction between a force and the resistance to counter that force. This smart guy, Hans Selye, was kind of the first guy to identify stress as a potential problem for our health. And basically, small doses of stress can be a really good thing. It can cause us to grow to be healthy, but large doses of stress or chronic stress can be really bad for our bodies. It can cause a multitude of health problems. So when I'm discussing stress for the purpose of this webinar, I'm referring to chronic stress or excessive stress. (laughs) This is a meme that I thought was really funny and relatable. For those of you who are just listening to this webinar, it says, 
maybe a little lavender would help reduce your stress. And it shows a picture of a woman completely covered in stems of lavender, but with her eyes wide open and staring, <laughs> clearly she is unable to relax. So there's so many of us who have increased chronic stress and it really is affecting our health. There's these stress tests you can take online where it gives you X number of points for each category of stressful events and then you tally up your score. This one test I looked at, a certain score above 300 meant that there was about an 80% chance of a health problem within the next two years if I didn't find a way to manage this, my stress. The same test, uh, there were some categories that really surprised me. You know, I knew death, divorce, moving, new job were top of the list, but the kind of the surprising categories were outstanding personal achievement and vacation and holidays. Those, even though they're good things, can actually be sources of stress. And I think it's just important that we identify that and, and own it. I want to talk a little bit about the science of stress. This quote says, once you start approaching the body with curiosity rather than with fear, everything shifts. So truth of the matter is I'm very curious about the body. I'm curious about the science of the body. So we're going to review a little bit about the science of stress. Our autonomic nervous system has two systems, the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous system. The sympathetic nervous system is our fight or flight reaction. It's our save our life, run from a bear. It's what we need to either flee from a dangerous situation or stay and fight. In this sympathetic nervous system response, we have increased alertness, increased heart rate, increased muscle tone. That's because that's what we need to function and, and fight or flight. During this time, blood flow to the gut is decreased. Therefore, digestion is decreased because that's not considered essential for the task at hand. On the other side is the parasympathetic nervous system. This is the rest and digest reaction. This is when our breathing becomes slower, our heart rate, blood pressure go down. The blood flow to the gut resumes. Our body is able to heal while in the parasympathetic mode. So we are designed optimally to live about 20% in the sympathetic mode and 80% in the parasympathetic mode. Unfortunately, many of us have that reversed and we're living 80% in the sympathetic mode and only 20% in the parasympathetic mode. And we call that a sympathetic dominant lifestyle. You know, our body is designed to respond to short bursts of stress, followed by long periods of rest and relaxation. But in today's world, time to relax is considered a luxury. And lots of people have stress at an all-time high. So if you, if you kind of evaluate your life and you feel like you're in a sympathetic dominant lifestyle, please know that this is worth working on. And moving yourself into a 
parasympathetic dominant lifestyle. Your, your body will thank you. Your body keeps the score, your brain, your heart, your everybody, <laughs> everybody in your body. It's keeping the score. This is a little bit of a complex slide, but the stress response is really complex. So I'm going to give you a little bit of science behind it. I hope I don't put you to sleep, but just give me about 20 seconds. So the HPA access stands for hypothalamus pituitary adrenal access, and it coordinates a stress response in the following way. The brain receives a signal and indicates that a stressor is present. The stressor might be mental, emotional, physical, anything. The stress then activates the hypothalamus, which is a little gland in the brain, and it begins the stress response by secreting corticotropin-releasing hormone. This then stimulates the pituitary gland, also in the brain, to release adrenocorticotropic hormone. And that travels through the bloodstream until it reaches the adrenal glands. Your adrenal glands are these cute little glands on the top of your kidneys, and they're powerful. <laughs> so they, once those are stimulated from a stress response, your adrenal glands can release cortisol and adrenaline. Those are considered stress hormones. Cause the symptoms that we think of, um, heightened awareness, increased pulse, increased blood pressure, increased blood sugar, and then other non-essential um, body systems um, are kind of shut down, like digestion. You don't have to worry about digesting food when you're stressed out about, you know, saving your own life. The body also has a buffering system. Remember, we are designed for short, small, intermittent doses of stress. And under normal healthy conditions, cortisol is released in, in response to stress, and then DHEA acts to kind of counterbalance the cortisol. Prolonged stress can kind of overwhelm this balance and cause you know, increased cortisol and decreased DHEA. So another explanation, the adrenal glands secrete cortisol, other things like epinephrine, norepinephrine, we know that as adrenaline. These hormones travel through the bloodstream and prepare the body for a quick response to danger. You have heightened awareness, blood sugar, blood pressure, all that goes up. Then once the stressor is removed, the, the sympathetic nervous system dominance will subside and your body will return to a normal, relaxed state. So DHEA is your body's kind of anti-cortisol hormone. Without DHEA, long-term elevated cortisol levels would wreak havoc on the body. So as a stress buffering mechanism, the DHEA binds to receptors in the brain that promote a sense of relaxation and decrease pain. It does a lot of good things. And so it's really important just to maintain these ratios. Um, also listed on the slide are serotonin and GABA. And these are chemicals that create a sense of positive mood and relaxation, and they counteract the fight or flight response. So remember, epinephrine, norepinephrine, put the body in overdrive, sharpen your reflexes, remain alert, awake. And then serotonin and GABA levels help put on the brakes, 
to the stress response so you can remain calm. This diagram shows the general adaptation syndrome stages in regards to stress. And the line on this graph represents cortisol. So in the stage one, the alarm stage, your body reacts to stress, cortisol goes up. Stage two, your body is really <laughs> perceiving the stress to be persistent. The cortisol stays up. Now, remember, it should go down once the stress is removed. That's a healthy response. But if the stress is not removed, the cortisol stays up. And then stage three is the exhaustion phase. Basically, the body's resources are depleted and it can no longer kind of have that anything to any kind of cortisol response in response to any kind of stressor. And this is where you get fatigue and exhaustion, lots of depression and such. This diagram talks about how certain health conditions and lifestyle practices can really make stress worse and vice versa. The diagram shows how stress can increase your cholesterol. It can increase your blood sugar, your blood pressure. Elevated levels of cortisol on a chronic basis will contribute to obesity. And then certain lifestyle factors will also make the stress worse, like an unhealthy diet, also called the standard American diet. Um, inadequate exercise, smoking, excessive alcohol use. And you get this kind of vicious cycle. So, and when chronic stress causes this continual release of cortisol and adrenaline in the bloodstream, and it's not resolved, it causes damage. We're going to talk about a couple body systems and really how, how damaging it can be. The first one is the brain. Stress causes difficulty concentrating, brain fog, causes increased anxiety and depression, increased irritability, definitely problems with memory. Stress can also trigger increased headaches, especially tension headaches. And you know, when people have headaches, it definitely affects how they are able to function at home, at work. Stress can cause difficulty sleeping, which can in turn cause another whole level of problems when we're not sleeping well. Stress causes higher cholesterol, higher blood pressure, increased heart rate. Now, those things on a short-term basis are fine, but long-term, it's not good for the body and the heart specifically. Uh, stress may also cause palpitations and chest pain because of vascular changes. These vascular changes can unfortunately increase your risk for a heart attack or a stroke. Joints and muscles. Stress causes inflammation, tension, aches and pains, muscle tightness. Sometimes this muscle tension and joint inflammation is so severe, it can lead almost to like a chronic pain syndrome which of course increases stress, which then increases pain. And then it becomes this terrible vicious cycle and it can be really debilitating. The immune system, stress and living in that sympathetic dominant lifestyle causes decreased immune function, lowered immune defenses, 
this increases your risk of becoming ill. It makes you have longer recovery times. When you're stressed, you may find it difficult to recover when you're sick. And this is the body's natural mechanism. It's responding to stress. It's in a fight or flight mode. It doesn't really care that you have a cold because that's not life-threatening. And so when you're when those cortisol levels, you know, are chronically elevated and the immune system goes down, you're just putting yourself at risk for catching a bunch of a bunch of bugs and health problems, skin. So stress can definitely affect your skin. It can affect your hair. You can, it can cause hair loss. It can cause dull and brittle hair, dry skin, acne, delayed tissue repair. I mean, have you ever been stressed out and then like a week or two later, you notice some zits pop up? This may be your skin responding to stress. Well, and for me, <laughs> when I'm stressed, I often will look for a sugary treat, which certainly does not help the skin issue, the gut. So stress causes decreased nutrient absorption, diarrhea, constipation, nausea, pain, discomfort. Stress can also increase the production of stomach acid. This can be very problematic for people who are already struggling with reflux and acid and heartburn. So when people have altered gut function, it means they're not absorbing nutrients properly. So many of us know that there, there's so many nutrients in our foods that are cofactors co for important enzymatic processes in the body, including neurotransmitters like dopamine, serotonin. This is kind of where the gut-brain connection comes in. And so if you're not getting good nutrient absorption, it's going to affect your neurotransmitters and can lead to anxiety and depression. Hormones. Stress causes decreased hormone production. It causes decreased libido. Stress is considered to be an endocrine disruptor. It also causes increased blood sugar and increased insulin resistance. This is really important for people with prediabetes or diabetes. It's even that much more important to manage stress. Stress can also affect reproduction for couples who are dealing with infertility. For women, it can affect ovulation. For men, stress can cause issues with erectile dysfunction. This diagram is a diagram of a cortisol curve. On the left side in figure one is a normal cortisol curve. Normally, our cortisol level should be highest in the morning, actually called a cortisol awakening response. And then it goes down throughout the day and it's lowest at bedtime. This test is best done with saliva testing, in my opinion, and obtained several points during the day, at least four points. I think there's some tests that will do six points. If we have uh, abnormal cortisol curves, though there will be different spikes throughout the day. So figure two shows a cortisol spike in the evening. And this will certainly cause people to feel like they get like this crazy second wind in the evening. Like they'll be super tired all day and then they'll kind of wake up and this affects sleep also. Figure three shows really high cortisol pretty much sustained throughout the day. 
the, the shape of this curve is actually okay, but the actual cortisol levels are, are high. And that's that resistance phase. And then figure four shows a low cortisol state. This poor person must be exhausted and tired and their adrenal glands are unable to produce enough cortisol to give them energy for the day. I mean, those levels are pretty flat. So now what, what do I do about the stress? So I kind of gave you a little rundown of science and how stress affects the body. If I did a good job, you might now be stressed out because that's how increased stress can affect you. But there are definitely some interventions that can be helpful. And I would say really pick one or two to focus on and start with. For me, the two things that I've really tried to focus on are mindful breathing and prioritizing sleep. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. Mindful breathing. So there's this breathing technique called box breathing. And it's kind of, it's pretty simple. And I do use it often. Like if I'm driving to work and I'm feeling a little revved up and a little edgy, I have implemented this box breathing technique. And this really can move your body from a sympathetic state into a parasympathetic state. So you kind of imagine this box and you inhale for four, Hold your breath for four and then exhale for four. Hold your breath for four. And you, I would do that at least five times. Some people like it more. And this, like I said, will automatically put your body into more of a parasympathetic state where you can relax a bit and prepare for your day. Exercise, some light walking can be so therapeutic for all of us. And if you're not one who really likes to exercise, I would just start with a five minute walk and work your way up. Pro tip is if you're tired in the afternoon, a short walk can actually give you some energy if you're feeling tired. Exercise shouldn't be exhaustive to the point where you can't function afterward. That is actually can cause increased stress. And I've done that before where I just, could do nothing else besides collapse after a hard workout. Another form of exercise that can really help with stress reduction is yoga. Yoga is wonderful for both the mind and body because of the connectivity with your breath and exercise and the different poses you perform. Self-care, it's, it's really an important thing and it's different for everybody. Some examples I put here are... <laughs> stuff that I do for self-care. So a nightly bath, time in nature, and time with my family. I've had people tell me that cooking is relaxing for them. And it that is not something that is relaxing for me. And I do not consider that self-care. I'm trying to maybe get some friends who enjoy cooking to cook something for me. And that would be my form of self-care. Studies show that meditation activates the left prefrontal cortex in your brain, which is your happiness center in the brain. And it also deactivates the right prefrontal cortex and the amygdala, which are the emotional and fear centers in the brain. There are some studies that uh, showed that 
people who meditate have fewer inflammatory markers in their blood. There's so many different ways to meditate. Some people use prayer as a way to do so. And it's it's a super healthy stress reduction technique. And you may want to try different types of meditation and just start start small, a couple minutes. And then if it makes sense to increase that, then you move up on that. Sleep. <laughs> Sleep is really a non-negotiable thing. The average adult needs seven to nine hours of sleep per night. And this allows for physical and emotional restoration. You know, I'm, I do still work some shifts in the hospital and I have to work some overnight shifts. I, since prioritizing sleep is really one of my things I'm working on right now, I am trying to build in recovery periods for those difficult shifts. And then I do my best to really get excellent sleep on the nights when I'm not in the hospital. Like last night, I was really tired at 8 p.m. And I told my husband, I'm like, well, my sleep bus is here. My sleep bus showed up at 8 p.m. So I jumped on the sleep bus and went to bed. I slept solid till about 5.30 this morning and then got up and felt pretty awake. It's great. We all know that a healthy diet is important. And the more I learn about functional medicine and the more I am convinced that food is affecting my mood, it definitely affects how I deal with stress. You know, looking back, I I wish I would have fed my kids better when they were young, but I don't, don't know that I really understood the science of healthy food back then. You know, we're not taught that in nursing school, in medical school. We're not taught about the importance of nutrition. And so it's good to know that it's not too late. It's never too late. When you implement a healthy diet, you know, you are then getting all the different nutrients that are required for all these different processes in the body. And it helps my neurons function better. And it helps my serotonin levels go up. And I, it just really makes a huge difference on my mood and my body. There are some additional things for stress reduction that we offer in the office, uh, like Reiki and brain tapping. Farah is the professional on those. There's also several supplements. And I have another slide to talk about the supplements. It's a busy slide. And it kind of breaks down the supplements for acute stress, chronic stress, and then just some supplements for calming support. So the acute stress supplements, it's really a short-term thing. You may have heard of ashwagandha, phosphatidyl serine. So those are good. They can be taken. There's a kind of a dosing strategy down below. And, but really uh, there's, they're more of a short-term thing. So you really, you still have to do the stress reduction thing to make your body function better. Cause it's, remember it's keeping score. <laughs> The chronic stress can be supported with supplements like ashwagandha, but then I focus on holy basil and licorice root. And then for some calming support, you may want to consider some GABA, some L-theanine, taurine, melatonin. Other important nutrients that are really good for stress is good multivitamin. 
there's some really good ones and there's some really not good ones. So just do your research, find a good multivitamin. Uh, magnesium is an excellent supplement for stress and support. Best taken at night. It just provides a calming effect. DHEA can be taken as a supplement. And vitamin D, my favorite vitamin, is really good for uh, supporting the stress response. And don't forget that so many people are vitamin D deficient. And that's an easy, actually, blood level to check. It, you can check your vitamin D level in your blood. And there's kind of a, an optimal range that we like to, for patients to be at. It's not the load that breaks you. It's the way you carry it. So everyone has a different load and everyone's stress threshold is different. Please don't fall prey to the enemy of comparison when you compare your stress to someone else's stress. Your stress is your own and how you deal with your stress is your own journey. Thank you. The Sauna Health and Wellness Podcast is brought to you by Atagi Plastic Surgery and Atagi Skin Aesthetics. Check us out at atagimd.com. A-T-A-G-I-M-D.com. We offer plastic surgery, skin aesthetics, non-surgical treatments, and hormone therapy. Some of the many things we offer include Botox, dermal fillers, Exilis Skin Tightening, Kybella, Skin Aesthetics, All Therapy, Vanquish Fat Reduction, PRP Hair Restoration, PRP Breast Lift, and Hormone Health. Follow us on our website at atagimd.com to learn about all of our specials and events each month. Some of our specials include monthly discounts off products and services or wrinkle-free Wednesdays. Check us out at atagimd.com.